Welcome to Bethel Cleveland's Sermon of the Week. We hope you enjoy today's message. For more information on this podcast or how to get connected, go to BethelCleveland.com. That prophetic word, those prophetic words knock my power out. <laughs> super, super good. Wow. Gee. Hi out there. <laughs> <laughs> What a, what a day to be alive. <laughs> we are in the most, shoo, we're, we're in the most exciting time to be alive ever. I don't know how this is going to go, so I'm just telling you I don't know. Because <laughs> I, I am, I'm kind of like a tuning fork here with the Holy Ghost. I feel a wah, 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 weird kind of. He loves me. I talked to Pastor Steve when I came in, and I said, man, since I've seen you, I'm even more hated than I was before. This is amazing. <laughs> I, am, I am so excited uh, about being hated. I, I'm not kidding. You, you just don't know. I'm, I'm telling you the truth. I am so excited about being misunderstood because religion can't understand. I'm, I... I, I I don't know how to like, I don't, I can't emphasize it enough. It's so good. Can I, can I walk all places? Oh, thank you. Freedom. Can you guys still see my head at least? I'm not too tall, so. God built me short and wide, so. Plus, I keep asking him to prune me, and you know when you prune something, it just goes this way, it doesn't go that way, so. It's okay, right? You know, you don't understand these last three years. Like, I, you know how you get pruned and you're supposed to actually welcome because pruning is a sign of maturity. If you're not being pruned, there's no growth. <laughs> People are like, why well, hate pruning? Well, then you won't grow. We need pruning. Like, we need the Father to prune us. And like, there's a lot of things in life that help with that pruning situation. Do you know that's real, Right? But I've said in this season, I don't feel like a tree. I feel like a stump. Because, like, you know, you trim and you prune. You... But let's get it over with. And just chop that thing off. Just have your roots go down deep into his love. And then you're just good from there. Are you with me? Let's get it all over with at one shot. It's pretty good. I said that, but it just keeps coming. I don't know about you, but it's been a pretty intense season. And what I love the most about, like, the intense season is that darkness is real and it is getting darker and when it gets darker it gives us a chance to shine brighter and it's okay like the darker it gets the brighter we shine unless you're a basket-headed Christian and then we're all in trouble you're not supposed to have anything on your head you're supposed to let your light so shine you're supposed to let the world see your good works so that they might glorify the Father who's in heaven. And I am so excited about that. You know, I, I think there was a protesters, they seem to follow me sometimes. They, I don't know, when I show up sometimes they're there. But you guys probably have your share of that too because you're hated. <laughs> I can't explain how amazing that really is. See, we, we've got this weird culture that needs to be liked so they don't like to be hated 
and it's just this weirdest thing. I do not need the likes of people if I have the love of the Father. I do not need it. If you're striving to get the likes of people, you're already deceived. Because you won't tell them what they need to hear. You'll tell them what they want to hear. And you can't afford to be in a place where you're telling people what they want to hear. You can build huge ministries by telling people what they want to hear and keeping people comfortable. But you can't have a Holy Ghost time bomb go off in a comfortable place because the Holy Spirit's called the comforter. We need him. And in order to actually increase that need, we have to build the uncomfortability in our own lives to merit the reality of needing comforted. Okay. Are you guys okay? I, I am revival. <laughs> I am revival. Where I walk, it is. It cannot, it cannot not be because I'm there and I believe. I'm telling you, this is nuts. And if we get this revelation, if all of you individually in here could be revival everywhere you go and everything that you do and in everything you say, all of a sudden, the whole church just has this flashpoint. Imagine if the church had a flashpoint, just like that, man, everybody believed. Oh, not just enough to get there, but enough for him to possess here and enough for him to flow through you like a river to where everywhere you go, it's amazing. But it doesn't bring joy to religion. Religion will hate you all the more. Religion hates relations. Religion put relationship on a tree. And religion screamed at relationship and said, come down off of there if you really are him. But relationship was being crucified so that religion could be set free. Oh my. And do you think that God wants something different for you? No, but it's not about you being crucified. It's just about you dying already. Oh. You can't truly live unless you deny you. We've got to be possessed by Jesus. We, you are created to see the impossible bow its knee to our king. You are on the earth to see impossible bow its knee to the king of glory. You're on the earth for the presence of God to utilize you and use you like you've never seen before because we ain't seen nothing yet. You are alive to suffer for his namesake. Oh, listen, man, it's been granted to us the privilege of suffering for his namesake. We get four hallelujahs. We get six people clapping. Why? Because this has been a great season of crazy. And like, dude, I don't need any more than what I've already had. Like, you don't know what I've been through. Nobody knows. Come on. It's these trials. It's this stuff that comes your way. Like trials produce. Come on, patience. Come on, patience produces. Hey, I think we need that. Can't get character unless you have trial. It just doesn't come another way. Doesn't come by reading. It comes through going through hell. That's how character is built. It comes through going through hell and manifesting heaven. It's pretty amazing. 
You cannot get to the through the reality of the end of this thing. It says that trials produce perseverance or patience. Patience produces character and character leads to hope and hope does not disappoint. But how can we have the hope the Bible teaches unless we go through the trial with the fire of heaven? Come on, man. This is no time to have your hope deferred and to have your heart get sick. This is a time to burn and to be in union with God. This is a time to be so burning with the love of Jesus that nothing can touch this thing. Nothing. Listen, I have lived for 18 years and have never been rejected. Never. Not, not one time. Because you can't take away what you never gave me. So how can you reject me since you didn't give me my acceptance? I am not here to be accepted by people. I am here because I've been accepted in the beloved and I have right standing with God and you can't touch that because you didn't give me that. So when I talk to somebody and they get angry or they, they cuss me out, it's okay. Look, it's all creation is groaning. Why? Because they're looking for the sons of God to be made manifest. So when creation groans, it doesn't sound like, oh, show me God. It sounds like, get out of my face. I hate you. They're just groaning. Did you ever see the movie Elf? You did? I'm just kidding. Sorry. And did you see the raccoon scene? That's creation groaning. People are like, well, I'm not watching Elf. That is, it actually is funny. It's the only good movie that Will Ferrell ever really made. The only one that I would suggest watch. Guys, this is a powerful time to be alive. I, th I think like we're so used to not getting out of our comfort zone that we've held him back for so long that these last couple years, we're like, we're like, oh my gosh, can it get any worse? Oh yeah. Oh, you ain't seen nothing yet. That's not prophesying doom and gloom. It says darkness and deep darkness will cover the earth, but not with you. Arise and shine. We are called to shine. We are called to burn. We are called to see people come to the knowledge of him, and how can they do that? Because of you manifesting him and not you. Mercy woke you up today and gave you one more day to manifest him and not you. Mercy said, good morning, time to manifest me today, but I don't feel like it. That's right, we don't live by that, we live by faith. For the just shall live by Come on, man, we're not ashamed of the gospel, for it's the power of God unto salvation for them that believe. For in it, in what? In the gospel. What's in the gospel? The power of it. Where's the power lie? For in it, the righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith, for it is written, the just shall live by faith. What is the power of the gospel? Justified, just as if I never ate the tree, just as if I never sinned, just as if I never messed up, just as if I never did that stuff, just as if I never sinned. Oh my gosh, they think this is heresy. No, this is called the Bible. What is justified? 
It is so glorious. It is so good. You didn't do anything. There's none of us that could be justified because of our works. None of us. All of our righteous acts are as filthy rags to the Father, but this righteous act that I'm talking about was not my righteous act. It was the act of a king. The act of a king who came and humbled himself and became a bondservant and was tempted at all points yet without sin, who endured the suffering. Why did he do it? For the sake of us. And what does it say in 2 Timothy? That you and I are to endure the suffering for the sake of God's elect. You are supposed to suffer and like it. Come on, man. You are supposed to burn. You know what it's like to be misunderstood by everyone in your family? I do. You know what it's like to be misunderstood by a lot more than just your family? I do. You know what it's like for your kids to go to school and say, and then to say to your kids, your dad's a heretic. He's a liar and a thief and a prosperity preacher. You should be ashamed to have him for a father. You know what it's like to live your life and to have everybody come against you? I do. But you know who is for me? Oh, no, listen here. My Bible says that if God is for me, here, I like to add this too. Who cares who's against me? See, the deal is, is I'm never gonna die. One day, here's what's gonna happen. Like, I've got people threatening to kill me. I've got all this, oh no, please don't threaten me with eternity. Don't, anything but that, don't, please. Because I would hate to, <clears throat> well done. I would hate for that, anything but that. Please, just... We've got this weird thing in our head that death is the end. And Jesus crushed the fear of death. Jesus crushed the fear of death, hell and the grave. He has the keys. He said, behold, in that day, I'll give you the keys to the kingdom. And whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. He's telling Peter, and it's so exciting because Jesus got those keys. He went to hell to get the keys. He paid the price. And on the third day, the devil realized how much he jacked this thing up. And he crucified the very king of heaven. And he sealed his own forever. The devil sealed his own forever. And there is a rat race in hell. Every demonic strategy is set forth here to come and to gun for your mind, will, and emotions to completely twist this thing, to blame God, to have all kinds of whacked out stuff come in here so that you can never see and understand your divine potential to destroy hell for a living. That's what he's out to do. First John 3, 8 is the mission of the Christian. For this reason, Jesus, the son of man, was made manifest. Why was he manifest? To destroy the works of the devil. So what am I to do? I am to do exactly what Jesus' mission was. To destroy the works of the devil. What are they? Anything that looks like death, loss, and destruction is on the list to destroy. Come on, guys. Are you with? Like, this is a real deal. This is so good. How many of you are excited about what God was doing and, and still is doing as Asbury? 
I've got people that have went there. I've talked to different people. They have different views of what's happening. I've got people that were in Brownsville Revival. They went to Asbury. It doesn't feel like it felt at Brownsville. It feels different. But if you didn't know it, like, it's normal. Yet, I've got other people that go there and they're like, man, the presence of God is so strong. I've got another guy that said every guitar chord was out of tune, like the instruments were out of tune. They just keep worshiping, but it doesn't matter. God's there. Like, it's awesome. But then, if you knew the global, the global meeting that the Methodists just had, if you knew some of the things that they were arguing about, Come on, like gay marriage, like all that stuff, like arguing. Here's one of the things they were arguing about. At the top level of the Methodist movement, is the resurrection real? Is the virgin birth authentic or is it something that we've just made up? That's what they did. So why do you think God is showing up in the Methodist movement right now at Asbury? Because whenever it's chaos, Look, I don't know if you know this, but it's really good that things are getting worse because, man, when things get worse, God just goes, and he speaks into that thing. He just releases breath. I look for chaos. I'm a chaos hunter. I am. I'm a calamity hunter. I'm a chaos hunter. I look for things that are so dysfunctional, and I want to be in the middle of that. Why? because we bring function to dysfunction. That's why, because if we understand who we're created to be, we won't run from chaos, we'll headlong into that thing. Why, because you've got the answers of heaven inside of you. You've got the wisdom of God inside of you and you get to transform situations unless you are more concerned about you than his kingdom. There in lies the huge issue. The huge issue is being more concerned about yourself, your own stuff, which is exactly opposite of what the Bible says because the Bible says to deny yourself. It does not say to think about yourself. Even though in the kingdom, to like go after God with everything you are and to love your neighbor as yourself, you have to love you Now, I'm not talking about that. You need to understand who God's created you to be. But it's not about you. It's about him. And when you're about him, he can be all about you. Because you're no longer dangerous to yourself or the church. Ah! Can you hear me? There's light. Let there be light. Because I'm walking in the dark, and it's not good for your cameras. And I know, and I'm sorry. But I try to test it because it does say that I'm the light of the world. And Jesus was on the Mount of Transfiguration and he literally lit up, his whole body lit up. And I'm looking for that. I am. I'm looking for the manifestation of the glory of God to be upon my skin, upon my life. I am looking for it. In every situation, I want it. Oh, I want it. I don't know how hungry you are. But I, I mean, I know you're hungry because you wouldn't be here and the foyer wouldn't be filled up and my friends wouldn't be out there cold, someone should bring them some hot cocoa because I guarantee they're cold out there protesting. Are they gone? Dang. Well, Lord, we just ask you to pull that car over and let your presence come in there and vibrate them in such a way like a paint shaker can. Jesus said, 
to where you, God, would manifest yourself in such a way that they would be overwhelmed with your presence, God. We thank you for your manifest presence. Jesus, thank you. We love you. We give you honor. We give you glory. In Jesus' name. Don't think he won't do it. Oh, I've seen some crazy stuff. I've seen devils manifest in lots of places. In grocery stores and planes. Planes are scary when they manifest because everybody's freaked out. When you have a flight attendant going, I'm not kidding. You think, you think that it's, you have somebody raise their voice on the plane and everybody gets irritated. You have a flight attendant going back and forth and foaming at the mouth and their eyes rolling up into their head. It's a whole different story. It is. Like, oh my God, what do we do? I know what to do. But you need to know who you are so that you know what to do when the devil shows his face. You can't afford to be afraid. You'll hear people on the plane praying that never prayed before, ever. You'll hear them say things like, oh, Jesus Christ. In a way like he's the only thing that can fix this problem. (laughs) See, I'm being for real. Like grocery stores, devils manifest. It's real. It happens. In line. What do you do with that? See, because the stronger the anointing upon your life, because of your level of surrender and obedience, to not walk away, but to dive in, to come in to the secret place of heaven and to go after God with doesn't matter what anybody thinks, everybody's against you, but God is for you. That you would carve out time in your life that you could have intimacy with God. And intimacy means he's intimacy. Where you dive in in such a way that's so beautiful that when you go into that secret place and seek the Father who's in secret, that when you're in the open, you trust him to reward you with him in the open. Don't go in there to seek anything but him so that when you're in there, what you sought will manifest when you come out. But it's a lifestyle of that. It's not just one time. It's not just going in there going, well, I didn't feel anything. It's not about feeling. It's about knowing. He said, I'll meet you if you go. Are you guys with me? But when you go in, I was talking to to BSSM today, which I love your school. I think it's beautiful. Great job. Amazing. I was talking about righteousness and talking about what it means to actually believe. Because to believe is all God's asking us to do. But what do you believe? I know we say, you know, we, we have to believe more than just to get to heaven. We have to believe for heaven to get into us. I know that. But what does that really mean? And why would heaven want to get into us? There has to be some reason that he wants to get into us. Now, we've got the Holy Spirit, who's the third part of the Trinity, who is the most revered one of the Trinity, whom the Father and the Son say that if you blaspheme them, it's forgiven. But if you blaspheme the Holy Spirit, it won't be forgiven. There is something so sweet about the precious Holy Spirit. And I think we regard it as something lightly. But understand that Jesus said, and I know you know this, but let's just go over it again because it's not wrong to go over the same things again and again and again. We need to get it. The Holy Spirit came to make his home inside of you to make you Christ-like. 
Like he made his home inside of you to make you like Jesus. He, the Bible says if anybody says that they abide in him, they all walk just like Jesus walked. That's in 1 John. It says if anybody has this hope in him, they ought purify themselves just as he is pure. These are just as, exactly like. So he's given us the privilege and the benefit of walking just like Jesus walked. Don't think you're going to be understood and loved by everybody because Jesus wasn't understood and loved by everybody. Jesus was understood. Well, they didn't really understand him, but they followed him. The liars, the thieves, the prostitutes, Gen Z. The liars, the thieves, the prostitutes, the murderers, the tax collectors, the worst of the worst, they needed to be with him. But the people that thought they knew it all hated the fact that he was taking their thunder. They hated the fact that this one was claiming what he was claiming. You know, the other day I was talking to Joel about it, and, and I know you had the Jesus People movement, and you were touched inside of that thing too, right? And I was so blessed. I went to see the movie the other night for the premiere, and I wailed like a baby. I lost it. Because you got this beginning, and I'm going to go somewhere with this, but I, you got this Chuck Smith, who's this pastor, you know, of, gosh, yeah, I know, I just, well, his name, Chuck Smith, is going to be led to that, you'll know. So Calvary Chapel, and he's got this failing church, and it's, it's, it's only like 12 people. And he's very religious, and he's suit and tie. Not that suit and ties are religious, but it can be. Because I've wore a tie once. It's not. I'm just kidding. I've wore a bunch. I'm okay. I just, I just need to be me. It's okay. I'm not barefoot, but I do have five-finger toes, so it looks like I'm barefoot. So Chuck Smith has got this failing church, and, and he's really frustrated with these hippies, man. Because amidst this sex and drugs revolution, it's like be free, take acid, get to the highest point of euphoria, be at the climactic place. And what they're doing is they're trying to get to God. It's like trying to build a tower to get to God, man, but you're building a tower through drugs to get as high as you possibly can. That's what drugs and alcohol are. You're trying to take yourself to somewhere better than this. And so Chuck is like, these hippies, they're doing drugs, they're this, they're that, they're dirty, they're, it's nasty. Like, what is wrong with these people? And their daughter wants nothing to do with Jesus. She doesn't want anything to do with Jesus. She doesn't know that it's Jesus. She knows, she thinks it's religion, and, she, and nobody wants anything to do with the religion. So their daughter is like, yeah, great, Dad. You know, she goes to service, her dad's preaching, and she's like, oh. And I'm sitting there going, wow, typical pastor's kid, right? <laughs> Come on, it's real. And so, sure enough, man, like this daughter's like, you know, dad, I'm over it, you know, and dad's like, you need to just straighten up. You need to seek the Lord. You need this. And her mom, or her dad and mom are sitting on the couch and she's getting ready to roll out, getting ready to leave, not leave the family, but just leave for the day. And she's like, don't do drugs. And she said, mom, I'm not doing drugs. And, and they're talking for a little bit. And then she finally opens the door and he's like, she's like, where are you going? Do drugs and shuts the door. And she looks at Chuck and says, this is your daughter. That's your daughter. 
and it was crazy, like just this thing. And first he said this, he goes, he goes, I wish I had one of those hippies so I could talk to, yeah. right? And I'm like, oh man, that's so good. Like, oh gosh, get him, Jesus. <laughs> so all of a sudden the daughter's going down the road, she's kind of cruising and stuff, and she sees this hippie walking on the side of the road. And she doesn't see the Jesus saves on the back of his shirt, on the back of his jacket. She just sees this hippie, like bell bottoms, bare feet, just chilling. She pulls over, she goes, you need a ride? And it's the guy that plays Jesus from The Chosen, right? He's playing Lonnie Frisbee. And he goes, yeah, I do. And I'm like, oh my gosh, this is gonna be so good. Because I already know that this is the hippie that dad's gonna get. And I am so excited right now. And Lonnie Frisbee is the hippie, you know? And he gets in the car and, and she's like talking to him for a little bit. And he, have you heard the good news? And I'm like, oh my gosh. She goes, are you serious? <laughs> oh, I'm taking you to my dad. So she like <laughs> kidnaps this guy, man, takes him home to dad. And I'm so excited. I'm like, oh, Chuck is gonna get it, man. Because religion needs to encounter real relationship in order for it to know what it's been missing. Come on, it needs to, but it needs to have a Christian that's not afraid to suffer for doing good. It's commendable to suffer for doing good. It's commendable. This is part of enduring the suffering for the sake of God's elect. We have to be willing to suffer for his namesake. We can't rebuke the spirit of religion and come against the spirit of religion. You walk in the spirit that exposes it. I don't need to aggressively go after it. No, they just build a wall. No, you need to love them. And just go and say, hey, how are you? And they, you know, they they like, uh uh-oh, uh-oh. Let me touch you. No, I'm just kidding, don't do that. (laughs) And so Lonnie's talking to Chuck. And Chuck is like, at first, he escorts Lonnie out of the house. He puts him outside. She goes, Dad, what are you doing? What did you, why did you bring him here? You said you wanted to talk to a hippie. I brought one here. <laughs> so he finally lets him back in the house. And she's standing in the kitchen. And he just starts sharing with Chuck. Man, there's a whole generation, Chuck, that are searching for God. They're doing drugs because... They want God, Chuck, can't you see it? And you can see it hitting his heart. And Chuck's like, and he's, I'm sitting there because the daughter's in the kitchen crying like she's got tears and I'm going, Chuck, for the sake of your kid, (laughs) just say yes. Because every kid's looking for intimacy and relationship with Jesus. They're not looking for religion. They're not looking for rules and form. Man, they're, they're looking for Jesus. And if you dare to just let go and let God use you, your kids that have been running away will come home. Be possessed by God. Be possessed by love and Stop holding stuff against people because one thing that will stop this current move of God is your offense and your bitterness and your unforgiveness. That will shut this thing down in a moment. Religion is not your problem. You are. Religion is not the problem. We are the problem. If you've got a problem with one, two, three people, it's not them, it's you. Well, you don't know what they did to me. There's a key word there. It's called me. 
I have watched Jesus crush religion through so many different encounters all around the world. I have seen him break down walls. I've had people come to conferences just to prove that I'm the heretic. They've been sent in secretly just to come and prove Todd White is a heretic. Go and expose him. They come and get wrecked, and I watch them get delivered by Jesus, not because I'm anything, but he is my everything. I'm not there to prove them wrong. I'm just there to walk like he told me to walk. I'm there to love like he told me to love. I'm there to not get offended and not get hurt, and I am not gonna take account of a suffered wrong. Because my Bible says in 1 Corinthians chapter 13, this powerful, powerful section on love, that is what he's called us all to walk like. So Chuck gets rocked. So he tells Lonnie, hey, I think you should bring a couple of hippies to church. So Lonnie does. And you've got 13 people on this side. That's the church members, suit, tie, and dresses. And you've got a couple of hippies on the other side with no socks. I'm like, I love this so much. Lord, bring them in the church now. Bring the broken, twisted up Gen Z into the church that they so would be captivated by your love that they wouldn't care. They would just be like, I'm gonna go after Jesus. And Chuck brings this Jesus band in. The love whatever they were called. What was it? Love song. Oh, it was so good. I'm listening. They're just like this, yeah, oh, and the love of G. And they're, they're bringing it hippie style. And it's so beautiful. It's scripture and the love of God is all over this. And they're up there, bare feet, hippies. They stop drugs because now they're high on the most high. Oh my gosh, guys. Are we really ready? Are we ready to bring them? Are we ready for them to come in? Are we ready for the dirty and the broken? Because sometimes we just don't want to get our hands dirty, so we stay away. We don't go up to people. We don't approach people because we don't want to get mugged. We don't want to get ripped off. We don't want to get too close. We don't want to get dirty, and that's not the gospel. That's not Jesus. That's not Jesus. Jesus loved everyone and everybody loved him that wasn't religious they had to be around him and and chuck is experiencing this and then the next week lonnie brought more and more and more now the one side of the church is war full on the other side now it's packed now chuck comes home and his house is full of hippies and they're staying there lonnie was staying there and then lonnie brought more he goes oh chuck it's okay they just want to stay too oh my gosh Chuck is like, what is going on? He looks out back and he sees a hippie right in the backyard with a tent. Oh my gosh. I'm like, Jesus, do it again. Do it again. Do it now. Don't do it then. Do it now. This thing that's surging, it's not just at Asbury. A&M College in Texas had everybody on the front lawn in tears. Like, guys, This is happening right now, right now.
What are you hungry for and what are you waiting for? Because the time is now. Now is the day of salvation. Now is the day. America is dark and ugly and chaotic. But in the book of Genesis, when darkness covered the earth, the Spirit of God was hovering around and over the waters. And what happened to mess that darkness up? God spoke, let there be light. And bang, light was. And darkness couldn't comprehend it and it didn't matter what darkness thought what mattered was God speaks would you dare to be the voice of the father in this situation would you dare to speak into chaos not caring what anybody said would you dare to be his voice would you dare Man, you were alive for such a time as this. God placed you on the planet to be revival, to be a person that wouldn't bow to the gods of Baal. God placed you here now. He puts you on the earth to manifest heaven. He did. And I'm just here with a lighter. Oh, I am. God told me that he's gonna send me all around America to start fire. And I am so stoked, because this is my nation. And I don't have to be the father of the nation because there are many fathers, but I am gonna be a voice. And I'm not bowing to any critic. I'm not bowing to any slow it down, chill it out. I'm gonna go after heaven. The other day I went into the airport. Let me just tell you this before I forget. I went into the airport and we checked in. I checked in security and Blake, my assistant, he's, he usually gets us waters and we get on the plane and I'm like, man, I need to go down to that store over there and I don't need anything. So I walked down past security and I went down to the store and I went in and I'm like, I don't even know why I'm here, but I was really drawn to this place. It's Hudson News. If you ever go to the airport, they're everywhere. So I walk in and I'm just walking around and this guy comes up to me. He's about this tall, big, tall guy. He goes, I know we don't always agree. And he gets in my face and I go, I don't even know who you are. (laughs) Well, he's one of the guys behind the American gospel, but I don't know him. And I'm like, Oh my gosh, but I know his name. When he said it, I went, oh my God, I love you. (laughs) Yo, you don't understand. You can't plan that. He's one of my lead haters, one of the people that come against me the most on YouTube. He comes against every video, everything. I'm the heretic, prosperity preacher. This guy has dreads. He's out of balance. He's this, he's that. He's that guy. And all I could do was love him. And I started crying. I said, I just wanted you to know I love you, man. He goes, you don't know me. It doesn't matter. I love you. And thank you for doing what you're doing. <laughs> He's like, what? I, what do you, I said, man, you're going after what you believe to be the right thing. And you're, you have a zeal for it. And you're trying to protect people. And I just want to tell you I love you and I'm thankful for you. And he's just like, Because love, but it wasn't a fake. It wasn't me just saying that. I wasn't biting my lip. I would die for him in a moment. I would take a bullet for him in a moment. There's nothing in me that has any kind of offense. I'm not offended towards him. I love him. I, I bless him. I take communion. I lift up that bread and, and I bless the body of Christ. And I bless those people that hate me every time I take communion. You know, it's the only meal that says it'll kill you. 
if you do it wrong. I don't know if you know that or not, but it says many of you are sick and have fallen asleep early because you've taken communion and you haven't discerned the Lord's body. We don't even think that way. We're just like, we're eating the bread and we're drinking the juice and we thank you for healing. We thank you for forgiveness. Amen. Praise God. Let's go. No. No, no, no. It's way more than that. When you're taking communion, you're, you're talking about a blood covenant that can never, ever, ever be undone. You're talking about righteousness that makes me clean and white as snow, that takes my sins, moves them as far as the east is from the west, and God remembers them more, no more. It says that my sins and my lawless deeds and the covenant that we're in, God will remember no more. So he has absolutely no memory of my junk. All he sees, the thoughts he has for me are great thoughts and amazing thoughts and healthy thoughts and prospering thoughts. And he wants me to prosper and be in good health even as my soul prospers. And as my soul gets filled with the truth of what he thinks about me, I get healthier and healthier and healthier and healthy. And I start to think healthy and I start to talk healthy. And I don't hold offense because that makes you unhealthy. But when you take that bread and you put that up, you lift it up and you thank God for all the people that hate you and have done you wrong and you bless them and you do it until you can authentically bless them and love them so that when you're faced with the one that hates you the most and hoping to just get you to react, there is no react because you're proactive in the love of God and you cannot have a reaction if you're proactive. But because we don't feed our soul the right things, we feed on all kinds of stuff and we get offended so easily. Don't you let the devil twist this thing. Come on, he is trying to hit you on the highest place that exists in you. He's trying to dethrone Jesus from your soul. He's trying to take him off the throne of your soul. So that you go to church and experience goosebumps in worship, but you really don't love God in spirit and in truth. You can't love God except that you would know the truth and have that truth set you free. And out of that freedom, you worship God with everything you are. It's the gospel of good news. It's exciting, man. My gosh. So good. So he's looking at me and saying, well... It's great to meet you. I said, me too. I said, I'd love to talk to you about healing a little bit. Now, this is what they come after me for. He goes, okay. I said, yeah. I said, man, and I shared my journey with praying for the sick and prayed for almost a 1,000 people without seeing one person healed. And then I got baptized in the Holy Ghost in fire. And there's where we might have a little bit of issues. I said, and I, I was, yeah. He goes, I know what you went through. No, no, no. You don't know what I went through at home. And I shared the reality of the journey with my wife and how she wouldn't even go in public with me for nine months. Why? Because it's called suffering for the gospel. It's called the journey of suffering. It's the reality of having the people that you love the most misunderstand you, but you can't stand to bow to that, to that thing and you have to manifest God. So you keep pressing in, you keep going after God and you don't tell them that they're wrong and you're right because you can be very wrong about being right. It's not about that. It's about being right with God and, and boasting in his righteousness that he's given you. But it's not about saying, now you're my wife and I'm the head and you're going to listen to me. That is demonic. And why would, why would your wife submit to you when you don't love her like Christ loved the church? Christ died for the church. Would you die for your wife? You need to die for yourself, to yourself for your wife. No. There was so much tr tr trouble and twisted junk 
in my life where everybody misunderstood me and her mom couldn't stand me and she came to my wedding and she cried vehemently because her daughter was throwing her life away. And I said, mom, you'll see. Don't you call me mom. I said, I can't help it because you're going to be my mom for a long time. And she said, I am not your mom. I said, yes, you are. And it took three years of her watching, of her watching my life, of her watching me work and watching me be a father and watching me be a husband and watching me walk this thing out, not just the talk, but the walk. It took three years, not about me preaching at her or preaching to her. She called one day because she needed to get surgery on her neck. And I said, mom, it's time you let me pray for you. And she burst into tears on the phone. And we prayed for her and Jesus healed her neck and she didn't have to get it. And she lost it. She never let me pray for her. My whole family heckled me at the meals like, are we going to pray? Yes, we are. Oh, you just don't know. But, but that's my life. You don't have to know. But I do share it in testimonies once the testimony is complete. <laughs> because I went through a lot of stuff. But man, isn't it worth it? <laughs> it isn't it worth it? This isn't pain I'm preaching out of. It's love. I'm not hurting. I'm not a hurting person. It's different to be hurt by somebody than to, than to genuinely hurt for someone. There's a difference between being hurt by people and hurting for them. Jesus hurt four people and said, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. And who am I to have any other stance than what my king had and the example that he set because I'm to follow him I'm not to follow anyone else this is a big deal and I'm sitting there talking to this guy his name's Costi he's Benny Hinn's nephew he's the one that turned and he works for MacArthur he turned because he's been hurt because he got hurt by ministry he just got hurt by stuff that he saw and didn't understand and he just hurt I love that man. They just made an American Gospel 2. It's coming out soon. I made the movie just to let everybody know. It's going to be amazing. But it's not going to stop this freight train of the kingdom of heaven. It's not. It's not. It might deceive some. But man, let me just take you out to a restaurant and find out what's real. Let's just go somewhere in public so you can see what God really does. Because I'm not intimidated by what you want to think. What you think and what he does, just nothing to do with that. So powerful. In this movie, the daughter ends up getting saved, man. She ends up being on the worship team. I'm just fascinated with what Jesus did. Please go see the movie. It's ridiculous. Like, if, if you don't cry so hard that your eyes hurt, something's wrong. Because it is so good. God's going to do it again. He's going to do it again. He's doing it right now. He is. I want to share a couple of testimonies with you, and I want to pray that God would make you an unoffendable, an unhurt, that unforgiveness would never grip you, that bitterness would never have you, that you would not be one of those offended Christians that has every reason not to be revival. Because God wants to take out every bit of junk. He wants to heal. He wants to do miracles. He will. He will do miracles. He will. It will be a miracle if you get free from you. 
The gospel sets you free from you. Because if you're free from you, you're free from everyone. <sighs> Hurting for instead of hurt by. Hurting for somebody because they don't know who they are and they don't know what they're doing. Come on, how many times have we had people, there are people here, we get hurt by the church so we don't want to be a part of one. Well, it is truth. But what happens is somebody hurts you because they didn't, understood who, they didn't understand who they were. But the fact is, is if you got hurt by it, you didn't know who you were when it came. So either way doesn't justify each other. One day, do you know that Jesus sits on the mercy seat right now? Do you know that we're in a day of mercy? And you better find mercy right now. You better go after mercy with everything you are. Why? You better go after mercy. Why? Because it's the mercy seat. Jesus sits on the mercy seat. But one day that mercy seat will change. And it will be a judgment seat. But we are in a day of mercy right now. And I'm not here to talk about judgment. But one day, all of us will stand before the judgment seat of Christ. And we will answer for the deeds done in the body. And that's not a fear tactic. That's the truth of scripture. That's right before your famous, we're a new creation in Christ. Scripture in 2 Corinthians chapter 5. It says our ambition, our number one ambition, is to live a life pleasing here so that we can be pleasing there. This life is a dressing room for eternity. <laughs> oh my gosh, guys. We're in a dressing room for all eternity. You're right now in that dressing room. And in that dressing room, we get the privilege of putting on Christ. The Bible does not say that Jesus makes the bride ready. The Bible says very specifically in Revelation that the bride has made herself ready. There's the making ready of the bride, and that is where we're at right now. We are in a dressing room, and we are making ourselves ready. Jesus, come. Come, Lord Jesus, come. Here's my thing. Don't come right now. I know so many people that aren't ready. Give me a chance to get them. Give me a chance to rescue more. My buddy and I have a joke. He goes, man, there's a rapture. You're going to be like, just one more, Lord. Just one more. <laughs> it's so important to me. Like, I, I live my life in the, in the best way I know how to be a witness. But my heart cry every day is, God, make me a greater witness. Make me a better, a better witness. Help me. Help me reach people today. God, use me. Speak through me. Pour my life out like a drink offering. God, use this life today or kill me. We're like, why would you pray that? Because I don't want to live if it's not for him. I am so done with anything else but Jesus. You just don't know. I, I just don't have a plan B. I, it's only plan A. I need him to use me. I want him to speak through me. And it's not works, man. It's not. It's, it's grace because he uses me. And it's all by grace that he uses me. It's not, it's not because I can, I can do it. No, no, no. In, in the gospel, the weaker you are, the stronger he is. Like your weakness is a magnet for the strength of God. It's a magnet for his strength. You don't have to be strong. In the world, you got to be strong. In the gospel, you got to be weak and let his strength overtake you. Like David. Come on, God's like, woo, came on David. Bam, that's what I want. That's what I want. 
I'm going to slay chaos in every situation. I don't care how loud it taunts me. I want to see it drop to the ground so the body of Christ will run. I want to see it. So I was, gosh, let me, I'm sorry. Are you guys okay? It's 8.30. Are you okay? Okay. Okay. Are you okay, Pastor? Are we all right? Are you sure? Okay. Give me the nod when you think it's. When I, when I speak somewhere, I want to pour out everything he gives me. I just want to, I just want to give. I don't take this lightly. When a pastor says, you have the mic, I don't want them to have to clean up after me. I just, I, I love Jesus with all my heart. The only way you'd have to clean up after me is if maybe you were re- religious and and, but I wouldn't be welcome here if you were, <laughs> unless something happens to get me there, because I've had it, and I'm excited about that. I'll, I shared uh, testimonies last night. Let me just share a couple things. Um, I'm, we do Power and Loves. We didn't, I didn't show the video. Our, we have one coming up April 28th and 29th in Toledo. Listen, these Power and Loves, we've done 141 of them. They are a fine, they are a threshing floor, man. I've never seen anything like it. They're, to be able to have God use you, to speak through you in public is what they're designed for. They are identity training schools to where we go out on outreach and God will use you mightily. He will. It's, it's like a witness. It's just a witnessing school is what it is. It's being trained in your identity and being released to go and bring the prophetic, bring words of knowledge, bring healing, bring salvation everywhere you go to where it's not just about we're going to go do street evangelism. It's not. I'm going to live my life for Jesus. I'm going to lunch with him today. He's going to speak through me to my waitress. I'm going shopping today and he's going to come with me to the shop. Why leave him at home? I'm going, to, I'm going to a store today. I stopped in a gas station to pump gas and I chose to pay for someone's gas on the other side of the pump. And then all of a sudden it led to a word of knowledge which led to a salvation and a mother and three kids were on their knees in the parking lot surrendering to Jesus. This is about a lifestyle. This is not about just an outreach. We call them love and actions. That's what the outreaches are called. Because and, and people are like, where do you want to go? Well, let's pray and ask the Lord. Be careful. You can over-spiritualize this thing. Just go somewhere where somebody is. This isn't complicated. Well, Lord, where do you want us to go? And I've had people in circles, five people in circles. Where do you want us to go, Lord? And I'll whisper, just go somewhere. <laughs> did you guys hear that? I did. I heard it. Did that voice say, just go somewhere? Yeah, go on, do it. Okay. We over-spiritualize this thing because we've separated the sacred from the secular. And we've made this sacred and this secular. And God doesn't want it that way. He wants everything to be unto him. Oh my gosh, Francis of Assisi, Brother Lawrence, these guys, they, the presence, Madame Guyon, these mystics, these people that pressed into the presence so deeply. So powerfully, do you know that they, one of them washed dishes and people would come for miles and miles and miles just to stand somewhere in the vicinity to watch them wash dishes. 
because the presence of God was so powerful on their life because they believed that they could live a life never separated from presence. Do you know that that same thing is available for you on your job? What if your job became your L-O-V-E instead of your J-O-B? Oh, man, guys, come on. We've got perspective switches that need to change. The only reason we're bummed with our job is because we think there's something better. But if you would bring the Lord to your job, it is what's better. It's the consciousness of his presence, the awareness of who God is in you. That's where I learned Jesus. I learned Jesus on my job. I was excited. I was an ice man. I delivered ice. They said, the ice man cometh. It was crazy. I would see between 10 and 30 people healed and come to Jesus every day of my job. Every day. Why? Because I didn't separate this. When I got saved, I became a missionary. Where to? Everywhere the sole of my foot treads, I am a missionary there. Why? Because he lives in me and he wants out. I'm so serious, guys. I became this one. I didn't try to get into full-time ministry. As soon as I got saved, I was in. And the same thing happened to you. You just think that you might need this to be in. Do you want to play, dude? You're so beautiful. Come on, bro. Just play some. Yeah, it'll help it go down easier. Thank you, man. Precious. I love this. You guys okay? I want your hearts to be encouraged because the Holy Ghost is here. Oh, I promise. You can feel it during worship. You can sense it. We came into the room and Blake goes, you feel that, dude? I go, oh, yeah. (laughs) You know what it feels like? Home. (laughs) Because where his presence is, it's home. And you never have to leave it. It's weird because we're starving people. We're hungry, but we're starving. And his presence is available for you every day, everywhere you go, in everything that you do, in everything that you say. His presence. He wants you to be hyper-spiritually aware of his presence. He wants you to be more aware of his presence than the very air you breathe. And we're not really aware of the air we breathe. You know, you breathe, you're not even thinking about it. But he wants us to think about it. He wants us to not think about the air we breathe, but he wants to think about he that we breathe. Oh, come on, man. I don't know about you, but I could use more awareness of him in everything I do. Like when a hostile situation comes, I would love to be more aware of him than the hostile situation. I would love to internally process, what do you want to do here, Lord? That's the Christian life. <laughs> That's where God wants to show up and he wants to use you. It doesn't matter who you are. It doesn't matter how old you are. You can be a young man and have the Holy Spirit rest on you, man. And have God use you mightily. You can be a person that's 90 years old, been on the earth for a long time, but haven't really experienced it. You can experience it every second of every day. Did you feel a shift? Did you just feel it? I'm trying to learn the shift. I love it so much. He loves me. 
and he loves you the same. He doesn't love one person more than another, but one person can know his love more than the other. It's not to know his love isn't on his end. To know his love is on our end. It's called believing. So we did a power in love, and I'm excited to do them. We just did our 141st one, and we've got our 142nd one coming up next weekend in North Carolina. And we've, and we've gauged them all to go after the USA, and they are going to be flashpoints across the USA, where God is going to start these fires everywhere. He told me he's going to do it. I said, I'll go. Just do it. Just, I don't care. I'll go anywhere. It doesn't matter to me. I don't care if there's five people there. Flashpoint. Jesus shook the world with just a few. He shook the world so much that when they went into a city, they said, these are those that turned the whole world upside down. They were petrified. I want people to be petrified when I show up. Why? Because he's here. It's not because I showed up, but because when I show up, he showed up because he's in me and he possesses me. I need this in my life. I'm tired of not having more. <laughs> so I went to this power and love and I was getting ready to take an outreach and lead an outreach. And, and uh, I, you know, we, we would have pastors in the, and this is only in the first, like the t- second year, I think of power and love. And I said, well, how about, there's like four pastors. How about if I, how about if you guys, if I take you out? They're like, all right, we have a fifth one too. I'm like, come on, let's go. Well, lo and behold, I didn't know that they were there to expose me, but I didn't know. I'm just like, oh yeah. They're like, oh yeah, we'll go with you. I'm like, awesome. Let's go. Like, yay, let's go. Where do you guys want to go? And they're like, um, let's go to Ryan's. And I'm like, oh, it's like a steakhouse. Like I love steak. I feel really bad for people that only love vegetables. says, listen, it doesn't say strong vegetables are for the mature. Sorry, I had to put that in there. Bill would love that if he heard me say that. He would love it. Strong meat is for the mature. Desire the meat of the word. The meat of the word is in righteousness. So they're like, yeah, okay. So we go to this restaurant and they're like, oh, we got him now. But I don't know that stuff. I'm just, man, tell me more about yourself. Well, I'm a pastor and you know, they don't really want to talk. I'm like, okay, well, that's fine. So we go into the restaurant and it's pretty cool. And, and I go in and, and I'm going to go and I go in and I, I walk over to the table and just immediately start ministering to a girl. I see a girl in there and I just know that her heart is for math and she's going to go after math with everything in her and she's a genius. And the mom's like, who are you? I said, I'm just a Christian. I love Jesus, but I believe that we can hear his voice. And, and I shared some stuff and she's like, that's really true. It's all true. And I'm like, well, yeah, God's true. He loves us so much. And I shared, I was an addict, and I, please let me get to the end of this testimony so you don't think I'm some predator or some weird guy. She let me in. Oh, my gosh, are these your friends? Yeah, there's some pastors. They came to lunch with me. And this lady kind of boldly shared the testimony, and she's not from a denomination that would welcome this. She's freaked out because this is real. So our waitress comes up after that, and they're kind of sitting at the table like, well, this is weird. So the waitress comes up, and I said, hey, girl, how are you? Jesus loves you. Shut up, she says. I'm like, okay. She just hammered me. And these people are like, who does she think she is? I'm like, she's hurt. And she just kind of shares. And I'm like, well, look, I'm, I start to share my testimony. I don't want to hear it, okay? I got busy. What do you want to drink? I'm like, whatever you want to bring. Water would be great, you know? And so it's crazy. The, I go back in. I ended up 
talking to the waitress or the manager. She walked by and I said, hey, you're the manager. She said, yeah, I saw her come out of her office. And I said, you know, I said, your daughter, you're, you're struggling with your daughter because your daughter thinks this and actually she's, she's self-harming herself and you can't stop it. But God wants you to know that there's a way that it stops. She goes, what is going on right now? And who are you? I go, I just love Jesus. I'm a Christian. No one's special. She goes, come into my office. So I go, guys, I'll be right back. So I go back in the office and the pastors are like, what is happening right now? So I go back in the office and, and this lady is vehemently crying and she's getting set free. And we're praying for her daughter, praying for her daughter to get touched, to get completely made whole by Jesus. And this lady surrenders to Jesus so that she can give her life. So I come back out of the office about 25 minutes later and they're out there like, what have you been doing? And I said, well, I think she'll probably come out. She comes out, mascaras everywhere. She goes, you, you guys, I just want to tell you how important it was for God to speak to me today. And the pastors are like, oh, they're so freaked out. But they know it's not a planned thing because they picked the restaurant. See, if we would just let go, if we just let God and stop getting in the way, just let him. Sure enough, man, it is an amazing festival of Jesus and this lady's crying, and one of the ladies crying, she tries to catch a tear and stop it, you know, and, and she's overwhelmed. So we, again, another person and another person, and I think four people got saved that day. And the, the pastors are like, okay, the, this is really great. And I said, we gotta take an offering up for our waitress. And they're like, an offering? <laughs> like she, why would you do that? I said, because if you get what you deserve, you all go to hell. Guys, if you want what you deserve, hell is for you. None of us deserve heaven. All of it is by grace. It's a gift. You didn't earn it. She shouldn't have to earn her tip either. So I, I, I put in the first hundred, and I put it down, and, and the, the other ones were like, I said, do you guys want to be a part of the blessing or not? So they're all like putting change on the table, whatever they got in their pockets, sauce. So we took up a like a $218 offering for this lady that hated me. Oh, it's so good. So I gave her this offering. She goes, whatever. She walks away. You think, she didn't even say thank you. (laughs) Don't you give a tip to get a thank you or you have your reward. And so we walk out. Another person gets touched. The hostess at the front gets healed. They're totally freaked out. We get to the car. And I said, thank you guys so much for going to lunch with me. And the lady goes, she gets delivered of a devil. Like, I'm not kidding. Like, it was a manifestation. Really. The accuser. She had partnered with this accuser. She's like, the pastor in the front. We came here to expose you. I go, for what? You're a heretic. We thought you were a heretic. And I go, guys, I love you so much. Will you ever forgive us? I go, oh my gosh, you guys had me at hello. I love you. <laughs> like, I'm not mad at them. They're not, my, they're not my problem, nor are they my potter, nor will they mold me and they'll shape me. They won't, because God made me in his image. And the likeness of God, he made you too. And they were totally freaked out, totally rocked. There's another testimony I want to share real quick. It, it got better because next time they were like going out on outreach and God was using them. It was so powerful. It was, I just love it so much. It's so exciting. 
So we're going to do another um, Power and Love, and we're going to do this in Kentucky. And it, it, it's right around where this thing's happening right now. I actually went to Asbury when I worked. I work out at their gym and pray for all these people. People get healed and like, who is that guy? I don't know. Some crazy guy. Oh, I'm not kidding. It was so fun. I would pray for people that worked there, their shoulders healed. Next time I'd come by, how you doing? My shoulders healed. How did you do that? Well, Jesus, man, he lives in us. Same Holy Spirit, raised Jesus from the dead. Just kind of share basic gospel truths with them. And okay, well, we don't do that stuff around here. I said, well, he does. <laughs> so there's this one pastor there and he's from the same church that, Chuck's, that Chuck Smith started. And so I'm like, my buddy is like, you need to come preach at my church. I said, dude, stop pushing me at your church. Don't do it. Don't sell me. It's okay. Like, it's all right. He goes, no, they need what you carry. And I said, man, why don't they need what you carry? This isn't about Todd White. This is about the body of Christ coming into the fullness of what Jesus paid a price for. This is about sons and daughters. This is not about me. This is about Christ in us, not Christ in Todd, Christ in us, the hope of glory. This is about what Jesus paid a price for. He didn't pay a price for everybody to look at Todd. He paid a price for everybody to look at him. It's amazing, man. He goes, well, I'm just not ready. Oh, yes, you are. You're ready, bro. Why? I, I told him to pull up some of your YouTube videos. So the guy pulls up my YouTube videos, and he goes, absolutely never, no possible way. Don't ask ever again. And so that was two years before. So the next two years later, we're doing a power and love there. And I'm excited, you know, it's our third one there. And it was going to be so good. So I'm going there. And this guy, Mike, he, he texts me. He goes, my pastor's coming to hear you this morning. I go, what did you do? He said, nothing. He just, he's going to just come and hear you. I said, okay. And he's got his son with him. What I didn't know was his son was in rebellion. And he was backslidden. And he was against his father. And he just came in town for the day. And so he's going to come to my service. And I'm like, oh, you got to be really careful when you find something like out before the service because you better be careful to not project from a pulpit. Don't you dare project to try to prove your point because you got the microphone. You be very careful because it's not your microphone. It's his. You better steward that thing. And don't you dare say, I'm going to show him through my, no. That's pride, arrogance, and manipulation. You're manipulating a congregation to help them see your way instead of his way. Just a little nugget. Oh, it's so important, buddy. I've been called out for that. When I was young in the Lord, the Lord said, you're projecting. I couldn't even talk. Shut me down. I repented. I'm so sorry. And I, I, I did it right in public. I, I don't ever want that stuff in my life. So sure enough, I shared my testimony, you know, and, and you can see the pastor's looking at his watch. And, and I'm like, it couldn't help it because he's right in the front row, you know. And his son is like, kind of like, whoa. You know, listening to a testimony because he'd never heard something so bad. But I get to the good part and I get saved and he's like, that's ridiculous, crazy, right? So all of a sudden, the pastor goes, well, tell him I'd like to go to lunch with him. And I'm like, yes, I love lunch. I do. I love lunch. I mean, not just because I look like I love lunch, but I get to manifest Jesus at lunch. So sure enough, man, he picks the restaurant. We're going to go down to McAllister's, which has a great salad. McAllister's has Savannah salads. They're like the best ever. And so we're going to go there. So we're walking down the street, and, and uh, he, pastor's parked in the car. And we walk up, and there's this security guard. And I said to him, I said, hey, man, Jesus loves you. He goes, move on. I said, all right. So I moved on. He goes, get over there. So I walked over out of his little territory thing. 
And I said, man, I said, I said, why are you security guards? I was a cop for 20 some years and he shared and he was really angry, like just angry. And the son is with me, pastor's parking the car. And I said, well, Jesus loves you. He goes, I don't want to hear it. I said, well, I'm going to talk. (laughs) So I kept sharing. The son was like, oh my gosh, like this guy doesn't want to hear it. It doesn't matter what he wants to hear. He's hurt. But I don't know the son's hurt. I don't know. So I started sharing my testimony again. And the son goes, man, I didn't even hear that part. Oh my gosh, you're still with that girl today? Oh yeah, still with her, man. And so the son's like, that's awesome. He said, that's blanking awesome. Because he's just not there on fire for Jesus. And so this man is freaked out. So we walk down the the sidewalk as his dad comes. He goes, all right, guys, let's go. So we walk down. There's this guy sitting on a bench in front of the liquor store with his hand on his head. I go, hey, buddy, what's up? He goes, I got a migraine headache, man. I'm about to leave work, go home. The manager's out there. Yeah, he's a lightweight. She has her, her, she has her foot up on the bench. And I go, oh, man. I said, well, can I pray for you? He goes, you can, man, but ain't going to happen. I said, well, okay, well, let's see. So the pastor's like, okay, weirdness. So just put my hand on his head. Father, I thank you. Take this headache because you love him so much. Migraine, get out in Jesus' name. He goes, what the blank did you just do? And it was so amazing. The manager goes, is it gone? He goes, yep. She goes, now you can go back to work, she says. <laughs> it was crazy. He goes, yeah, but what just happened, man? And I looked at the, uh, the manager. I guess you got a problem with your knee. She goes, yeah, pray for it. <sighs> right now, pray for it. Go ahead. <laughs> oh, we get so weirded out and offended because we think their cigarette's going to stop God. We think when someone cusses that God's covering the son's ears. Son, don't listen to that. Oh, my. (sighs) Is it okay, Dad, that I listen? Yep, it's okay, son. They stopped. That's not God, man. How can they stop swearing unless their heart changes? And how can their heart changes unless someone is sent? And you don't have to be an evangelist. All you have to do is be a believer that's possessed by your belief. This is not for evangelists. This is for the body of Christ. I don't know if you've read the book of Acts, but it didn't say evangelists went house to house. It didn't say every evangelist shared their faith. It says everyone shared their faith. And that is what we're about to see. So sure enough, this guy's headache's gone. This lady's freaked out. Her knee gets healed. She picks me off the ground, hugging me. I said, do you know that Jesus loves you? She goes, yep, he died for my sin and everything. Praise God. I got to get back to work. She goes into the liquor store. The pastor's like, let's go. I go, okay, let's go. He goes, man, what happened? I said, man, I'll be back, and we'll talk about this. Are you going to stay? I ain't going nowhere, man. I'm not even going to get off this bench. I need to know what just happened. I said, Jesus, man. He goes, I don't even believe in Jesus. I said, well, he believes in you. He goes, man, just freaked out. So we go down to the restaurant. We go in. Are you guys okay? I love this. This is life to me. This is why I'm alive. I'm alive to encourage, to inspire, to stoke the fire inside of the body of Christ, to make your heart so hungry for God that you can't live without him for another moment of your life. That's why I'm here. I promise you. That's the only reason I'm here. Plus, I love Pastor. Love Joel, too, and his wife. I love him. I love him. Thank you. Thanks for letting me come in again. But I love it. Uh, any place where hunger is, man. God wants a flashpoint in this place, man. He wants a flashpoint in here. He wants you to ignite the flame of heaven with the glory of God 
to be marked forever for eternity for you to never hold him back again for you to be more afraid of holding him back than letting him out you are supposed to have rivers of living water flowing from your belly it's time to let it go it's what it's time for and we're going to pray for that in just a minute a couple minutes sorry so we go into the restaurant and we get in line the pastor's already in line and I come up and I get in and there's some people behind us I said I'm not budding I'm with him they go all right whatever so I look behind and there's this lady with a butterfly tattoo right here on the top of her shoulder I can see the top I go I love butterflies I said she goes okay I said I am a butterfly she goes okay I said, yeah, I used to be a caterpillar. And I shared my testimony of being lost versus being found. And I, she's like, you're a freak. And I said, but Jesus loves you so much, girl. She goes, get away. And they were just like done. There was a kid with her. Every time I talk, he'd go with his cell phone to try to, like, that's going to block it. My voice goes right around that cell phone, so... So anyway, we get our stuff. I pray for the, uh, the cashier. We go to our table, and the pastor's like, he's had about enough already. But we're just getting started. I'm serious. So our waitress comes over. Her name is Faith. I'm like, your name is Faith? She says, yes. I go, I live by faith. She looks at me. She goes, like, I haven't heard that one before. I said, no, 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 you don't understand. And I start sharing with her. And I said, do you have arthritis, Faith? And she wasn't that old. She maybe in her late 30s. She goes, it comes with the territory. Oh, no, 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 you have rheumatoid. You have arthritis everywhere. She goes, yeah, why are you asking? I said, because I want to pray for you for that thing to be gone. And the pastor is sitting in his seat now. And he, he's not going to go anywhere. His son's there. His son's like, I'm talking like, just like Chuck's daughter. Ooh. my heart is so burning to reach the people that have been hurt by religion to reach them and to show them the real Jesus man with mud on his feet <laughs> don't you yearn for that don't you aren't you hungry for that yes. oh I don't want to live lest I can. It's the only reason to live. That's why we're alive. Let God grip your heart tonight. Just let him have your heart. All he wants is all of you. <laughs> Come on, man. What do you got going on for you besides this anyway? I mean, you're here. Why not just let him have you? Why not just wholeheartedly say... Here I am, sent me. So Faith gives me her hand, and the pastor looks away and prayed for her, and she goes, oh! And she almost went down. I held her. I said, hey, girl. She goes, what is going on? She goes, oh, my God. Now the pain is gone. pastor's like, and the son's like, it's gone. Because he's never seen it. He's been taught it's not for today. Because unfortunately, that's what religion does. Religion likes to control what can and what cannot happen. You can't control God, buddy. 
<laughs> oh my gosh. Oh. So this lady gets healed. She's checking. Let me tell you something. I go, tell me. She goes, this is my last day on the job. I got fired because that manager over there in the corner, he jacked me up against the wall last week and told me to get my stuff and get out. But I asked, and I have one more week because I don't have anywhere to go and I got to take care of my mom. So he let me, but this is my last day. I said, Faith, this is going to be your best day ever. She goes, okay, but I said, where's the manager at? She goes, over there. What are you doing? I said, sir, come here for a second. Faith's like, oh my God, oh my God, oh my God. She walks over to the corner and she's like, oh no, oh, oh no. He comes over and I go, sir? He goes, yeah. I said, you know what? I said, Faith, our waitress, she's amazing. She's a good waitress, really doing a great job. I just want to tell you that's only a direct reflection of management. So you're doing a good job, man. And he's like, thank you. I go, absolutely. Faith thinks I'm exposing her, but I'm not. So the pastor goes, and what was that? I said, edification and encouragement, providing grace to those that hear you. You know, Ephesians 4.29, it's awesome. He goes, but that's not true. I said, oh, but it might not ever come true unless we prophesy it. Pastor doesn't believe in prophecy, but he's freaked out. That's what's going on. Faith comes up. What did you say to him? I just told him he's doing a great job. He's not doing a great job, Faith. Shh, shh. I said, you're such a good waitress, and it's only a reflection of what he's doing. Why would you say that? Because I love people, Faith. God loves you. Why do you think he just healed you? Because he loves me. I said, yeah. She gives her life to Jesus pastors like sitting right there like whoa this is getting interesting so i immediately i hear in my heart i gotta get up the street i've got to get to the atm i've got to withdraw a hundred dollars and i gotta come back and give it to that girl with the butterfly and i gotta tell her that jesus that god's not a thief and that he knows her needs so i'm like i gotta go pastor like what are you doing i said i'm going to get a hundred dollars to give that girl the butterfly don't let her leave he goes why are you doing this i said you'll see so i run up the street got the guy on the bench He's like, what are you doing? I said, I got to go to the ATM, man. I'll be right back. What are you doing? I said, I got to go bless my waitress, man. What? Yeah, I'll be back. So I run up, get the $100, come back down. He goes, what are you doing? I said, God spoke to me and said, go give the waitress $100. Because God's not a thief. He knows her needs. He's like, he know my needs? I'm like, oh, yes, I'll be back. So we run down. I'm serious. It's exactly what happened. It's so good. I walk into the restaurant. And I walk up to the table, and the girl with the butterfly is there. She's got another girlfriend, girlfriend, and another kid that's sitting there with his phone, like just trying to act like he's not there, but he's there. So I look at the girl, and I go, can I see your hand? She goes, why? She, please get away. I said, I just got to give you something. She goes, what do you want to give me? So she opens her hand. I put the $100 bill in her hand, and I folded her hand, and I said, the Lord spoke to me and told me to tell you that he's not a thief, and he knows your needs. She goes, oh. And the girl beside her looks at her and she goes, oh my God. And the girl runs out of the restaurant and leaves. And I'm like, amen. I, I walk back to the seat. I sit down. The pastor looks at me. He goes, why did she leave? What did you do? And I told her. I told him what happened. He goes, how did you hear that? I said, I just did. She's gone. I don't know where she went. Yeah, she ran. She's still running. She ran. I'm like, it's okay. So I'm sitting there eating, talking to the son. He goes, this is awesome, man. Like, this is amazing. And the dad wants to say, no, it's not, but he can't because he wants his son back. 
But the dad at this point doesn't have this to give the son because he's never seen it. But how could he ever see it unless somebody steps out in faith, isn't worried about people hating them, and is more concerned about God loving them? (laughs) Guys, this is called suffering. (laughs) It's amazingly fun. It is. Because people's words, what are they compared to God's love? You're talking about someone's eternity, man. You're talking about someone's eternity. You're not talking about just a day. You're not talking about just an hour. You're talking about the rest of eternity. You're talking about you having some kind of amazing effect on someone's eternity. Why would you let frustration set in? Why wouldn't you just let God be God and let you be who he called you to be? Man, let go of your offenses. The Bible says in 2 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 12, that we are limited by our affections. And it talks about our affections limiting us. And it talks deeply. And Paul's talking about his tribulations, his beatings, his brokenness, his stuff he's been through. Sometimes people think ministry is like just like amazing and your ship is sailing and wow, your ship came in. Oh, no. No, 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 no. This is amazing, but there's a lot that goes along with this. There is persecutions, there is sufferings, there is misunderstandings, there is miscommunications, there is people that don't understand what you really said. And you've got, a, you've got a job to do in love to make people understand what the reality of the kingdom is. But there is all kinds of hardships associated with this. And if you signed up for blessing, not that God doesn't want to bless you, because he does, he wants to bless your socks off. But if it's just about blessing and it's not about suffering, man, the suffering is amazing. You won't be able to suffer when you get there. You can only experience it here. (laughs) Guys, are you hearing me? So the pastor is so freaked out. And then a girl gets up. She goes to the bathroom. And it's her friend, the one that was crying. She's going to clean her mascara and stuff up. So I'm like, I got to talk to her when she comes out. Pastor goes, what are you going to say? I don't know yet, but I'm going to say something when she comes out. So she comes out of the bathroom. I go, hey, girl, can I talk to you? She comes over. She goes, you you have an aura. I said, thank you. People are like, that's blasphemy. She doesn't know what she sees. I'm not going to religiously tell her. Now, aura is not in the Christian vocabulary, girl. She doesn't understand. All she knows is she sees something that is very amazing to her. I, I, I don't have to say I have an aura. But I said, what does it look like? She told me it's blue. Blue is revelation. I'm down. I go, awesome. I said, can I pray for you? She goes, sure. She's new age. So I just, I just held her hands. And when I started praying for her, she started. So I gently moved to the side and kind of held her shoulder. Because I don't know what's going to happen. And the janitor is behind us with a mop going, a broom. College students are like, this lady is now, and the Holy Spirit showed me that she just got out of prison. She was a drug addict. She lost two of her kids. And that God's going to bring her kids back because she's about to get born again and her whole life is going to straighten up. So now the lady with the, the, lady with the, 
The lady with the butterfly is in the door. This is her best friend in the whole world. The $100 I came to find out was the very $100 that her and her roommate needed to pay a bill. They didn't have it. And in that moment, both of them were affected by God's not a thief. He knows your needs. So they're both being rocked. She ran out. How could God do this? She turned her back on God as a young age, at a young age, the girl with the butterfly on. Now she's back in. That's my friend. That's my friend. What is going on? It's okay, baby. She's got a devil and it's going to go. And so, and so I said that and she's like, her and the pastor jumps out of his seat and says, I command you in the name of Jesus, come out. No joke. And this demon comes right out. And I said, that's it, girl. Welcome home. Now I need you. And so we lead her to Jesus. She gets baptized in the Holy Ghost. This is real. In McAllister's Deli. In front of everybody. Faith is in the corner. Oh my God, what is happening here? This girl gets born again. This other girl gets born again. The girl with the butterfly. They both give their life to Jesus. The boy with the phone just left the building. He did not want to be in there. It's okay. His time will come. He will never get out of this. He will be marked by this. Be marked by this. So I hear in my heart, go back up to the ATM. You need to get another $100. My wife has suffered so much. You just don't know. You don't know. I go away and give away way more than what I brought home. My wife is like, do you even know what's in our bank account? No, but the Lord does, babe. She has gone through so much, and she has, and it's powerful what God has done. So I ran back into the restaurant. Pastor goes, I know what you did. You went to get another $100. I said, he goes, I said, yeah. He goes, you're going to give it to Faith. I go, yeah. He goes, I'm blessing her too. I said, this is so good, man. Come on. This is amazing, right? So, so we ended up blessing Faith. And the pastor looks at me after we walked out of there. He goes, would you do me a favor, man? He goes, would you come to my church and speak? I go, man. I go, I would. He goes, no, tomorrow morning. Would you do it tomorrow morning? And I go, I don't have anything. I don't fly out to the afternoon. If you really want that, he goes, I want it. Will you come? I said, yeah. He goes, I'm going to catch all kinds of flack for this. I go, if you're willing to catch the flack, I'll come. He goes, no, I need you to. Would you please? So we set it up. And that girl with the butterfly came next morning. Her friend came the next morning. I go to a church that would never have me in, ever. The pastor gets up, and he's received several emails, you know, the board emails, the elder emails, the what are you doing? Reminded me of the movie with Chuck. <laughs> I mean, it's so, it's so brought up, so, because this is only one of, of hundreds of these kind of encounters where everybody came against him, but the pastor dared to trust God, dared to say, I want God more than I want the celebration of my people. Because your people celebrating you for keeping them comfortable is not okay. It's not okay. Because you're going to answer for everybody that you shepherded your whole life. That's why it says not many of you should become teachers. Because you will be judged way more strictly. Why? Because the consequences for somebody that's preaching from the pulpit are way higher than for a person just out there in the crowd. Why? Because you're responsible for the ears of people, whether you tickle them or cut them. 
people have itching ears. They are looking for what is going to scratch their ear. God is looking for somebody that would just be willing to cut their hearts with the glorious good news. And I'm in a house where I know that he's not trying to tickle ears. I know that. I'm in a safe place here because this place preaches the gospel. I'm very aware of what comes out of the mouth of your pastor. It's very, very good. It's amazing. But I'm telling you, like there's so much in this thing. At that service, the pastor goes, here's the latest email I got this morning. And he starts to read it. He goes, why would you have this heretic, and he's leaning on the pulpit, this heretic, long-haired, hippie preacher here at our church. This is blasphemy. And he just went on. And it was really good. I mean, it was really good. I mean, they definitely think I'm some kind of vampire or something. It's real. And he gets to the end. And he goes, yep, delete. That's what he said. He goes, I'll tell you what, folks. Yesterday, I went to lunch with this man, not believing in anything that people told me. But the YouTube videos I watched, I said I would never do this. I went to eat with him. I've never seen a more generous person. I watched demons get cast out. And I looked at him. I go, you did that, man. Good job. Good job. Because he did. It was awesome. Demons get cast out. I watch people get saved. I watch people get set free. And two of the women that gave their life to Jesus are here. Could you please stand up? And the girl stood up and everybody was like, kind of like golf clap, like what's happening right now. He said, I am thankful to have this man of God come and preach to my church. He goes, folks, you might not like him, but heaven does. And I got to share my heart and we had the most ridiculous wrecking ball service. I mean, God showed up in such a significant way. It was absolutely silly, crazy God. It was good. Lots of deliverance. Elders delivered. Just because God wants to do it. Amen. These are two testimonies with many testimonies inside of many different things. But here's my question. What is stopping you from walking like Jesus? What is stopping you from carrying his presence? What is stopping you for your hunger? What is stopping you? What is quenching your hunger? What is stopping you from being hungrier for more than the things of this world? What is stopping you? What is in your way? Is bitterness in your way? Is betrayal in your way? Because I could give those testimonies too. Because I've got plenty. 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 They're everywhere. So what's holding you back? What's holding you back from full surrender? What's holding you back from fully going after God for what he went after you? What is stopping you from being the revival that God created you to be? What is stopping you? What is holding you back? Is is bitterness holding you back? What's stopping you from being a part of a church body? Is the last place that you were at because you got hurt and you never want to go through that again? Is that stopping you? Because that's not going to make it when you stand before the Lord, I promise you. Is unforgiveness stopping you? Is, is, Is that stuff stopping you? Is being offended stopping you? Because that stuff can be rooted out in just one second if you dare to just give the Holy Spirit 
dominion in your heart and in your life. He will fully possess you and completely overwhelm you with his goodness and his mercy and his glory. So my heart cry is to see everybody burn with the glory of God. Can you stand to your feet real quick? Can I get the worship team up here? Are they still here? You guys, oh, you're in the front row. Of course you are. I'm excited because I saw something that he was going to do. And he didn't cancel that. He's so good. You can feel a rumbling inside. I know it because he's God. And he's stirring in the hearts of people. You know, shared a scripture earlier in, 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 I think it was Chronicles, where it says the Lord searches in rooms true and fro, looking for whom he might show himself faithful. That's what he does. And he's in the room. He's, he's been in the room all night. He's probably in the room way before he got here. But he wants to be in your room, not just in this room. And he wants to completely show himself faithful to you. So I just want you to do me a favor, and I want you to just... Look to heaven right now. Just want you to close your eyes. Holy Spirit, we just welcome you right now. We welcome you to have dominion here right now. We just welcome you, God, right now. Lord, we give you full dominion. Dominion means the dominion of the king or, or the leadership, the lordship of the king where he dominates everything. God, we ask you in the name of Jesus that Holy Spirit, you would have your way right here. In Isaiah 6, you've got Isaiah and he... He is in this place and he sees the seraphim and he sees the Lord high and lifted up. And the train, the train of his robe filled the temple. And that word filled is it kept on filling. Kept on filling. And Isaiah screams out and he said, woe to me. I am a man of unclean lips and I am amongst the people of unclean lips. And a seraphim comes and he brings a coal from the altar and he touches Isaiah's lips and he says, behold, your iniquity has been purged. And the Lord, a couple scriptures later, they say, whom shall we send? And Isaiah who has been purged and cleansed, says, here I am. Send me. I'll go. And the Lord is looking for those people that know and understand that they can be purged, they can be washed, and they can be sent. But I'm telling you right now, that there's a hunger in this place for an authentic touch, an authentic move of God. So Holy Spirit, I'm asking you in the name of Jesus that you would come right now and drip down upon people with the dew of heaven. Come Holy Spirit right now in the name of Jesus, we're asking you to come. 
Come, Holy Spirit, we welcome you right now. Intensify your call right now. Intensify your call. Jesus, come right now. If you are sensing or feeling, if you have tears right now, if you are sensing or feeling the Lord touching you, I want you to come to the altar. I want you to come up here. If you are knowing that he is on you and touching you, I want you to come first. I want you to come down here. If you're not feeling him or sensing him, do not come. If you are, I want you to come. Holy Spirit, we ask you to come right now. We ask you for more. Intensify your call. Intensify your purge. Intensify your amazing presence. Come, Holy Spirit, we welcome you right now. Come right now. I ask you for the manifestation of the glory of God right now to rest in this place. Come, Holy Spirit, in Jesus' name. Holy Ghost, we welcome you right now. In the mighty name of Jesus, here we are, God, send us. Come right now. Purge, sweep through. Mark us right now, God. Mark us in Jesus' name. Thank you for listening to our Sermon of the Week. You can help us reach others by investing today at BethelCleveland.com give.